Welcome to Preaching and Preachers, a weekly podcast devoted to those who preach and to the task of preaching itself. I'm your host, Jason Allen, president of Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. Today, I want to welcome Brad Wheeler to the podcast. Brad serves as the senior pastor at University Baptist Church in Fayetteville, Arkansas. He is also a contributing author and speaker for Nine Marks Ministries. Brad, welcome to Preaching and Preachers. That's great to be here. Yeah, good to have you in the studio today and on campus. You preached in chapel a short while ago, and uh, good to have you here in the Spurgeon Library and uh, taking it all in. <laughs> yeah, it's been wonderful. Yeah. So tell us, before we get into the meat of the conversation today, which we will be talking about, ministry in a college town. Uh, before we get into that, tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, what you find yourself doing these days. Sure. So wasn't raised in a Christian home. Um, but someone shared the gospel with me when I was a teenager, gave me a Bible, and it was wonderful to read the Bible as a non-Christian, having no exposure to Christianity. Jesus is exceedingly clear about what it means to be a Christian, to follow him, to take up your cross. Um, and God's grace, I was converted reading through the gospel of Mark and then had no plans for ministry, honestly wanted to pursue a career in investment and finance and follow Jesus and make money. Um, and God had other plans. And it was uh, in about 2001 when I left what I was doing and went on staff at a church and began to sort of test gifting for ministry. And that led to a long road where I now service the senior pastor at University Baptist. And so you grew up in a Unitarian household, yeah, is that right? Yeah, so yeah, my mom's Unitarian. My family from the Boston area is Unitarian. Um, dad, more agnostic. Uh, and so, yeah, no exposure to, to Christianity whatsoever, no Bible in the home, no Bible reading, nothing like that. Do you know, I'm just curious, if you go back further upstream before Unitarianism, mm-hmm. was there, do you know what denomination or affiliation so you're All family? I know is my family came over in 1635. Most likely, given what was happening in England at the time, they were, they were probably, they may have been evangelical, um, may well have been leaving and fleeing some of the persecutions. Um, first homestead in Lowell, Massachusetts. So I actually have the land grant. Uh, in a museum glass in my own study, the only thing of history that I have on my mom's side. So my guess is there's some some evangelical sympathies there, but I don't have any definitive knowledge. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And you find yourself now at University Baptist Church, but you have served at Capitol Hill Baptist Church in Washington, D.C. with our friend Mark Dever mm-hmm. and uh, been involved in Nine Marks Ministries over the years. Uh, tell us, what's your and what was your initial connection with Mark and uh, with the church there? It was accidental. So in the sense that I I'd moved to D.C. for a job, I had friends that went to the church. And actually, the first time I went to the church, I was looking for my friends and an individual came up and tapped me on the shoulder and introduced themselves and asked if they had any questions, if I had any questions. And I, I totally blew them off because I didn't want to be bothered. I just wanted to find my friends and sit down. And I watched that individual who was trying to be so kind to me, you know, meander up to the front and take the pulpit and pray. And I realized, oh, my word, I just dissed the senior pastor. Um, but he didn't hold it against me. And so, yeah, we just developed a friendship. But it was, it was through friends and through the connection with the local church I got to know Mark. And so you find yourself now with Aaron having four children. A word about your family? So, yep. So I actually, the Lord in his great kindness used Aaron to help lead me to faith many years ago. So uh, she was the one who gave me a Bible. I was interested in her to date. And she said, well, there's this little problem. She didn't put it to me like that. But, you know, you're not a believer and here's a Bible and, you know, best to you. Best of luck. Um, and uh, at any rate, so yeah, but in God's kindness, we got married right out of college and we have four children now. And um, she is perhaps the single greatest gift that I have, both in life and in ministry. She's tremendous. So I, yeah, I can't be more thankful for her. 
And you and I first met, of course, back when we both were in Louisville. Yep. Uh, I had been a student and was then serving in the president's office. You were an MDF student working at Merrill Lynch. And uh, just an odd, odd circumstance how the Lord brought you from the investment slash finance industry into ministry. So uh, how did that segue occur? And uh, can you look back and see in God's providence any distinctives of your previous vocation, how that prepared you for ministry? Well, and the only way the previous vocation program ministry is I had to present before clients on their investment performance and portfolios. Um, and at times I had to appear more knowledgeable than I was. And at times you do that in preaching, uh, hopefully not too much. But no, I think what was really instructive for me was I didn't have great church experiences once I became a believer. People who love the Lord are trying to be faithful. Um, but I didn't have a sort of great theology of the church, and I grew up with around more topical preaching. And one of the things that happened was I landed in a church outside of college. Uh, it took me a long time, but my wife and I finally found a church. And I didn't know it at the time, but this man of a, of a little Calvary Bible church, not Calvary Chapel, Calvary Bible Church, was just preaching the gospel of Mark. And I started to grow tremendously as he was just preaching faithfully through the scriptures. And I remember turning to my wife at one point and saying, someday— I might want to do that because I'm growing incredibly, and I'd love it if other people could grow like that. And my wife looked at me, and she'd always wanted to marry a pastor, and I'd said I would never be one. And she said, well, you mean do the finances at the church, right? I said, well, I don't know. I'm just doing something. Like, this is amazing. I'm growing so much under this man's preaching. And again, I didn't know his expositional preaching at the time, um, but that was uh, an experience the Lord used in my life to sort of confirm how the Lord uses his word to grow his people. And so now you're at University Baptist Church. You've been there three years. Is that right? Yeah, about two and a half. Two and a half years. And tell us where University Baptist Church is. Adjacent to the University University of Arkansas. So you, you can see the campus right there. Yep, campus right there. You're essentially yep. on the campus. Effectively. So one of the nice things about my office is I have a nice window that looks out at Old Main, like the historic structure on campus. Yeah, so it's wonderful. It's, we've been really blessed by having a facility adjacent to the university for college ministry. And give us a little bit, before we get in again to uh, the nuts and bolts of, of ministry in a college town, a, a little touch of the history of the church and sure. how it became situated effectively on campus and yep. the role it's played over the years. Yeah, still learning a bit about it, but from what I understand, uh, there was an interim at First Baptist Fayetteville who was not chosen to be the senior pastor, and I think he wanted to be the senior pastor, and he took some folks, and they, they effectively planted, splat, you know, slash split a church, and they planted just down the street next to the university, and the, that first pastor had a passion for college ministry, uh, gratefully, and so the church sort of DNA from its founding has desired to reach college students. Uh, and in the sort of late 80s, 90s, you know, by some estimates, you had as many as six, seven, maybe some say 800 people coming regularly, college students coming um, to the, well, they came to our campus, whether or not you call it coming to University Baptist Church is a side story, but they segregated their college ministry from the church. So it was just a college ministry out of UBC that met at UBC. So for you then, becoming pastor there over two and a half years ago, seeking to uh, to assimilate yourself into the church and to learn the church, learn the community, I guess as we're kind of peeling back the layers on ministry in college town, what were you seeing in those early weeks, those early months? I mean, was it kind of what you had envisioned ministry in a college town would be? How was it similar? How was it different? So I think it was... It's a college town, so it has all the you know trappings of a college town. Which would be? You often have great little food shops, coffee, um, lots of folks sitting around talking, thinking about ideas, having conversations, reading books, um, engaging in things. And 
those who are Christians wanting to think theologically. So that was very, you know, very appealing. It was also more of, there's a bit more of a nominal Christian culture. And so... Is that because of the South or because of... It's sort of South meets Midwest. You know, I, I assume, of course, I grew up in a, yeah, a very secular culture. So, you know, if you wanted to be Christian, it was a very self-conscious decision. Um, and I think if you grew up in, you know, a bit more of the South Midwest, perhaps you have just grew up in a Christian family or you have fond thoughts of Christianity. So, but it was, um, what was attractive again about it was college students on the whole, they're in that formative time of their life where they're trying to think, okay, who am I? What am I going to believe? How am I going to live? And they're having to answer and think through those questions. And as a pastor, that's a wonderful time to pour into them spiritually and to try and shape them. You shape them then and you create a good foundation. You've shaped someone for life. And that just, again, huge blessing and a tremendous opportunity in a college town. No, I've never pastored in college town. I, I have pastored right beside a major military post, Fort Knox. And one similarity is you have military folks come in, half my church was military, and they would be there on average three years. And so there's always kind of a man, glad to see them go, hating, mm-hmm. glad, glad to see them come, hating to see them go dynamic. Mm-hmm. You invest them for a season, they're gone, which should be similar to college students. Yeah. And th- you're right. And that's, you face it. You know, I, I'm dealing with that right now. There's you know, there's a super faithful, very articulate woman who's, you know, going to be heading off going to school somewhere else. I'd love for her to stay. Um, many other students like that. Uh, but again, you recognize, okay, the Lord is, we all have seasons in our life. That's all we're given. We're just given a period of time. And if I have the privilege of trying to shepherd students through a period of a few years, then what we're trying to do is pour as much into them as possible, sort of shape them as best we can so that not only are blessing to our body, but they're also a blessing to whatever body they land at in their next season of life. So let's begin to look at this from different angles then. Uh, for those listening, um, what would you say are benefits of doing ministry in a college town? What are aspects of it that are particularly fulfilling, enjoyable? Uh, what's the upside? Yeah, for me personally, I love the conversation. The college students, I don't know if it's, it's youth and arrogance or what, but they just they don't take what you say at face value sometimes and don't assume it's true. They press, they lean in, um, they can be you know, thought-provoking questions. Um, I've received some of the most direct, and at one level you would think offensive emails, but at another level, I'm grateful for the honesty from college students. Um, and so they keep me on my toes and they're, they're sponges. Not all of them, but many of them are sponges. And so it's that opportunity to, to invest and pour in. And I've loved that. Uh, and yeah, it's it's one of the single greatest blessings. And then just, I mean, literally just watching them grow um, as a, just grow in Christ, which many of them thankfully do. As a, as a pastor, you know, you're, you're giving sort of these, I think Spurgeon called them, you know, as pastors, we give Christians sort of these guided tours to heaven. And, you know, we start to do that with pastors, with which call students, and it's a blessing. Hey, Brad, let's pause just for a moment for a word of update from Midwestern Seminary. Midwestern Seminary's 81-hour Master of Divinity degree prepares you for ministry today and tomorrow. Midwestern Seminary's flagship degree program is our primary track for ministry preparation. Requiring only 81 credit hours, the MDiv program is an efficient option for students, equipping them to serve the church in pastoral ministry. Residential students will be trained in a unique community environment passionately focused on the local church. Online students can earn the full degree without leaving their current ministry context. Come be a part of one of the fastest growing seminaries in North America as we develop a new culture of discipleship devoted to the local church and committed to taking God's unchanging word into a rapidly changing world. 
Visit mbts.edu slash mdiv today. All right, I'm back with Brad Wheeler talking about ministry in a college town. So the average college student, again, at University of Arkansas that shows up in your church, so if they're showing up there to visit, uh, the Lord's likely doing something or has done something in their life. Um, what, 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 what's spiritually speaking, theological speaking, what tends to walk in the door at University Baptist Church when new college students walk in? I think it's, I mean, anyone in a college town would say, I'm sure it's all over the map, depending upon what their own background, uh, if they have a theological background, a church background or not, you know, if they're international student, University of Arkansas has a number of internationals, so, you know, they have their own sort of set of expectations. I mean, the big things that you often wrestle with practically as you think through scripture um, are issues of inerrancy, gender and sexuality. You know, those will come up quite regularly. Uh, so, you know, we're often having those kinds of conversations with students. And I guess, again, College Town, yes, in the South. Yes, you said where the South meets mid, the Midwest, I suppose. Um, and so the students that are walking in the door, what percentage of those would you say are coming out of Christian homes and are showing up on campus as a believer or at least thinking they're a believer intending to live a Christian life? What percentage of those who are just coming yep. in, man, kind of from a lost background and just kind of looking for something? Yep. I think the majority of those who come to our Sunday morning service would be coming out of some Christian background. I'm not proud of that. Um, but one of the things we've really tried to instill into our students is that evangelism is not a Sunday morning event. It's a way of life. And so what we're trying to do as much as we can with our college students is we don't have a separate meeting just to college students during the week. So we're trying to invest and train and pour into our college leaders so they do evangelistic Bible studies on campus. So a lot of the evangelism happens on campus off University Baptist Church's campus. And so when they come, perhaps they've, they've likely heard the gospel. They may think they're a believer. Um, it's not too common that we get someone right off the street who doesn't know the first thing about Christianity and just stumbles into our doors. And so for that constituency, the person that's showing up, the 19-year-old that's showing up from a Christian home, they yep. think they're a believer, probably are a believer, what have you, how much are you having to instill in them biblical truth as relates to these great cultural flashpoints, gender, marriage, sexual? Quite, I mean, quite a bit, it, but it, it depends. Some of the ministries of their local churches where they grew up might have been thinking through that very carefully. Some of them may have been assuming some things and um, sort of borrowing off that historic capital. So it varies, but we just, I think all of us, college students or not, you're ha we're having to ask harder questions about basic issues of biblical truth. Um, and again, gender and sexuality is a current flashpoint. Uh, you know, it might be something different 20, 30 years from now. But we're, we're, trying to, we're trying to instill sort of very much sort of those practical theology at those levels. But a lot of, honestly, what we're trying to do is just help them understand what does it mean to be a Christian? So not just sort of what are those areas where the tip of the cultural spear, but like what does it mean to be a Christian and to be a member of a local church? In my own personal experience, I was part of Campus Crusade, now called Crew, and we had our own gathering on a Friday. There was music, there was preaching, there was fellowship. I went to Sunday morning church gathering when it was convenient. But one of the challenges with that, I graduated from college, I started working, I landed in Los Angeles, and I didn't know how to do the Christian life. No one had ever told me that God actually has a plan, like he set up a discipling program for you, and it's called the local church. I didn't know it, and so I had to learn the hard way. And so a lot of what we're trying to do with our students is say, like, okay, you're a student, but we're treating you at one level like anyone else. We're trying to push you through and, and encourage you to sort of adopt that mantle of membership 
and invest in the body like we'd ask anyone else to invest. Because at the end of the day, they're just young adults. They're not like a different yeah, category of species. species. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. So the upsides are you're engaging young people who are at a very impressionable stage of life. There's an energy there. There's an, inquisitive, an inquisitiveness there. And that, that's exhilarating for ministry. What are the downsides? What are the challenges of doing ministry in a college town? I mean, honestly, I can't think of many because I've found that some of our college students are of our summer most committed, which is beautiful to me because sadly and tragically, that was not my own experience personally. Uh, so they invest, they give time and effort, they volunteer very well. Or the only thing a college student doesn't do usually is give financially. But they give, in my experience, they give so much to the body in other ways that, I mean, frankly, I just can't think of any downsides. And they are often, particularly those who are new, new Christians, they evangelize. Mm-hmm. And so they're a challenge. You know, if we all get complacent, you know, living our own Christian lives and, and comfort and retirement, you know, to see the, the fervor and the excitement of a college student sharing the gospel and taking some hits sometimes for doing it, and yeah, it challenges us. Well, I think about life. I became a believer my freshman year in college, wrestled with the call to ministry my sophomore, junior year in college, and pursued ministry my really my senior year in college. And so, I mean, looking back, it was just an exhilarating stage of life. I mean, I, you know, I'm following Christ, seeing people come to faith in Christ, myself and others kind of in a gospel rat pack, exploring call to ministry. And um, there's just, what's there not to like about it? Yeah. For yeah. me, it seems as though the only real downside would be, again, people coming and going, coming and going, yeah. coming and going. But if you embrace that as a calling in this particular ministry context by campus, and so yeah. you're getting to, in essence, commission a wave of Christians every year to go to the uttermost parts of the earth or wherever God calls them to be and serve. Well, and I came from a place that was very transient in D.C. And so the joke at D.C. was we were always hugging the parade. You know, as the parade would come through, we'd hug them on their way out. And so I came from a place that was accustomed to that transience, and we actually tried to work our ministry around it. And so perhaps I don't feel it in quite the same way because it was just sort of the air I breathed before arriving. So what are some of the lessons you've learned about ministry uh, as you're pastoring in a college town? So, well, I've learned some funny lessons on contextualization. Namely, I need to involve my high school girls whenever I'm going to use references to pop culture. Because I'm a child of the 80s, I get 80s pop culture, but I was preaching the other day, and I think I said Keisha instead of Kesha. I said Ariana Grande as opposed to Grande, and of course, the college students laugh hysterically because they see my attempt to speak to their current music. So I have no idea what you're referring to. Yeah, well, so this is where I joked in the sermon, Stranger Things has really helped my congregation because now they get my cultural references. But in my own contextualization, they've been a challenge because even my attempts to contextualize often end up very embarrassing for me as I stumble through them. Um, and so that, that's, that's been a challenge. But back to your question, which to put a fine point on it was. What you're learning or what you're learning about pastoral yeah. ministry there? Well, Honestly, much of what I learned about pastoral ministry to college students is that you honor the college student most when you treat them like an adult and expect things of them that you would expect of any other member, and yet recognize that in that unique season of life, they have perhaps the most exposure to rub shoulders with non-Christians than they may ever have at any other time. So we're trying to seize the opportunity with our students as much as we can to do as many evangelistic Bible studies. Just, okay, you're probably not going to live in a place where you have 200 unconverted people around you within like 
you know, 30 steps or, you know, 50 feet. So let's try really, really hard to see what we can do to get on those campuses, to be in those dorms. Um, and that's, that's taught me again about the urgency and the great opportunity of sharing the gospel with unbelievers. And the reality is every time you share, even when the response you get is seemingly poor, you know, the privilege of even being able to share that gospel truth, oh, it's just warm, warmth to the soul. And I get to see the students, and yeah, it's sweet. So, all right, time is flying by here. Just a few more moments together. But I guess to try to pull this together, what have you seen in University of Baptist? Is there a particular story, particular observation, particular uh, conversion, particular student you've seen God just work in? I'm not looking for names here, but, yeah, but, sure. but, but hang, hang some meat on the bones. Well, I think the assumption many have is that College students want to be merely among their peers, and that's an assumption that the church often holds. And what I've found is that actually college students love being around their peers, but they desperately want and more they need to be around other believers. And so we've really tried to sort of integrate more demographically students into ministry. And what's been wonderful is to see the ways in which older members who assumed that students would never want to meet with them and hang with them have been a blessing to college students. And the college students have seen the blessing of walking through the Christian life with someone far more mature and experienced in life than they are. And to watch those relationships form has been, that's been one of the single greatest joys. And that's something that I think most, the church, our older members did not think they'd want a a uh, college student being discipled by them. And so we've had college students say, no, I'd love to meet with an older woman. I'd love to meet with an older man. Help, help, Help me understand just how to live this Christian life. And watching that transpire, that's been the greatest thing, integrating them into the life of the church, not just segregating them, and how they've blossomed and flourished. And they actually act like normal adults, not just like crazy teens living in, you know, eternity. So, Brad, this has been a delight for the conversation. Thank you for joining me on Preaching and Preachers. God's best to you and your family and your ministry and uh, all that he has entrusted to you. Thank you for being with us in the studio today. Pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Preaching and Preachers. For more information, please visit my website, jasonkallen.com.